Welcome to the Less True podcast presented by Gulf Food, the largest annual FMB sourcing event in the world. I'm your host, Jeraria Hersey, bringing you compelling stories and insights to a wide range of topics in the food and drinks industry. From farming, behind the scenes, to the culinary world, and to foods we simply love to chew on. In this podcast series, we speak to people, brands, and businesses across the food and drinks spectrum to find out more about why they do what they do and how, in their own way, they're championing change and shifting the future of food and drink. Trust me, there's so much more. So listen to the Less True podcast on our website, gulffood.com, and subscribe to our newsletter for the latest updates in food. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Let's Chew podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jerry Hersey, and today we're delving deep into the world of FMB branding and who better to guide us through this captivating landscape than the visionary founder of Skyen, Dennis Durand. Dennis, a trailblazer in strategic branding with an illustrious 25-year career, has left an indelible mark on iconic brands like Rainbow Milk, Nike, and Coca-Cola. His work, adorned with accolades such as Red Dot and Transform Awards, span industries from FMCG to finance. And here's the catch. Keep listening to know more about the power of branding as we unravel the secrets behind Dennis's success and explore the transformative impact of branding on business results. Today, I have with me the visionary, the founder of Skyen, Dennis Durand. Thank you so much for joining us, Thank Dennis. you for having me here. It's really a pleasure to have you on the show today. So let's just get started. Um, could you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, your journey to get to where you are today and uh, provide insights into Skyen and some of the prominent F&B brands that you have collaborated with? Yeah, um, yeah it's a long journey. I just told you it's my birthday today, so I know how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know Happy how long the birthday. journey is. Yes. Um, now, my name is Dennis Durand. Um, uh, by origin, I'm a designer, so I have art school. Um, I got intrigued uh, during uh, my study, but actually a little bit before my study already uh, for branding and packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, I once uh, visited a, a perfume shop with my mother and uh, I saw these people buying this very expensive uh, perfume uh, and uh, it looked all beautiful and they were all very happy with it and I was thinking okay how is how is this working because they pay a lot of money for it um, and uh, the content is very little okay uh, but they're still very happy so and then I wanted to know more about the psychological aspect of how do you wow. communicate with people via uh, colors and shapes and uh, textures and, uh, and the packaging? Okay. Um, so when I uh, then I I did uh, art school in Rotterdam. I'm I'm Dutch by origin. Um, I did graphic design and uh, photography, um, and then um, after that I started working for uh, design agencies. Uh, became uh, a creative director. Um, for an international agency, uh, Future Brand. Uh, for them, I worked uh, on brands all over the world. Uh, okay. So it, uh, it 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 gave me the the opportunity 
to work in uh, many different countries and understand how you can communicate in an um, in an area where where you're not familiar with. Yeah? Because if you if you work in uh, Asia, then uh, people think different about mm. certain colors and certain shapes and uh, in general in communication. Yeah. So you have to understand how that work how that works in that country to be able to communicate with these people. Uh, I always think that that is uh, a very interesting aspect of of my job because therefore I learn a lot about different cultures and uh, about people. And um, so then uh, after uh, Future Band, uh, I was creative director uh, for an international design company, DesignBridge. They are famous for also uh, branding and packaging. And again, for them, I could also travel the world and uh, live the life uh, of uh, Peter Stuyvesant, as we say. <laughs> and um, uh, had a, had the privilege of working for many international brands uh, for yeah, uh, companies like uh, for Unilever, uh, the Bertoli brand, uh, the Noor brand, uh, for uh, Nestle, uh, their ice cream brands. Uh, for uh, Sarah Lee, for uh, you name it. And uh, I, I worked for one of their brands uh, yeah. over the years. And in this region, um, I started working for a brand that I had no idea about at that time. And it, the brand was called Rainbow. And um, uh, for me, it was just another dairy brand in, yeah. a, in a country that I have never heard of, <laughs> uh, Saudi Arabia at that time. And... Um, uh, I started with a project. Uh, it was a rebranding project, uh, something like, I don't know, 17, 18 years ago even. Oh, wow. um, and developed the, 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 the rebranding and the new packaging. And uh, it was implemented. And uh, till the day, today, it's not changed. Oh, so, wow. That's <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, that's really nice. If, uh, if something is really long-lasting, yeah. And, uh, and and people embrace it, of course. And I, yeah. and now if I travel to Saudi and I tell, yeah, you know this uh, rainbow brand and the packaging, and I say, yeah, 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 we know that that's a Saudi brand. <laughs> and then I say, well, <laughs> not really. It's not a Saudi brand yeah. actually, <laughs> uh, because the origin is uh, a Dutch company, and yes. um, and it's it's created by a Dutch person actually. Yeah. yeah. That's like a staple for me for all my coffee and yeah. sweet drinks. Yeah. That's, that's really cool to know. Yeah, and then after that, um, there comes a moment that you you start thinking uh, about your career, and you get um, these uh, opportunities by headhunters for the same positions as you're in, but then for different companies. Yeah, and, and maybe of course for a different salary. But I was like, okay, now it's time to try to do it Dark. on my own. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, together with uh, two other people, I started uh, my own agency. Uh, in uh, first in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, and um, the idea was um, uh, to to create a multidisciplinary branding and design company. So not only for uh, 2D but also for 3D, um, and also not special special uh, specialism uh, for for one industry, but uh, for different industries. Mm. Uh, not in the late last place because I, I always think that it's very interesting if you're curious to learn more about different industries okay. and also when you have a lot of experience then you notice at one point that what you learn in one industry 
you can implement in another in industry and for them it's completely new and they would never have had this idea because they don't think about other a, a complete different industry yeah. uh, if you're in uh, if you're in a law firm you will never think that you can maybe learn something from a food brand or if you're a food mm. brand you have never thought that you can learn something for a destination brand uh, but because uh, yeah. we work in all these uh, different sectors yeah. and industries then we can start combining and say hey have you ever thought of this and yes. uh, so therefore i thought it's interesting to have a multidisciplinary uh, and multi-industry agency which turned out in the beginning not so easy because people um, like specialism, then it's it's clear what you do. And so, oh, I, you're, I don't know, you're a graphic designer and you do you have a lot of uh, identities for telecom. Mm. So we know what you do. Or airlines. or And then they come to you for, for, uh, for that reason as well. And in the beginning when, when uh, I started, we had so many different projects. So they were like, also when I came here, in uh, in Dubai 15 years ago um it was uh, by the way it was a very bad moment because it was the crash just happened oh. so <laughs> everybody was running out yeah. of Dubai and I was coming in um but uh at that time also they a lot of uh, uh, clients potential clients said okay Dennis you do this and you do that and uh but what is it what you're really good at and then I, I started explaining I'm good in branding and, <laughs> and packaging. And I said, yeah, but what is then branding? So you, you at that time, it was really uh, yeah. necessary yeah. To, to educate also people on that. And branding. of course, there were also people who knew, who had a good base on, yeah. on that. But there were also a lot of people who had no idea. And they just said, okay, make me a logo. That's enough, you know. <laughs> Or, or, or what? What do you? What, how do you make it so difficult for me? Just make something nice on the pack. That's it. And, and yeah, that's and that's not how uh, how how I work, uh, or how branding in general works. Of course, uh, it's it's quite uh, strategic. Sure. Yeah. So, what would you say in like today's competitive? FMB markets. If we're focusing more yeah. on the FMB industry, because most of our listeners are in the FMB mm -hmm. uh, sector, what key elements uh, would set successful FMB brands apart, and how does Skyen yeah. assist clients in navigating these challenges to stay relevant in today's world? Yeah, yeah. Of course, um, uh, there are many, many books written, and so many platforms where you can find information on on branding. Um, maybe it's also because I'm a, I'm a designer by origin that I try to simplify things um, and try to make things uh, not so theoretical, but uh, maybe a little bit more practical. Yeah. And one of the things I, I always try to uh, explain to clients uh, is uh, that brands work the same way like people. So uh, if we meet each other here, then we have a little conversation and we try to find out in a few sentences uh, who you are, where are you from, uh, maybe how do you think about certain things, because then you know if, if you have things in common yeah. and, and, and you, you create a base of, of trust uh, or an emotional connection even. Yeah. And I think with, with brands, it's exactly the same. 
it's um, if you uh, if you look at brands, they also have their own personality. Uh, uh, they uh, have the, they have certain clothes that they wear. Mm. They have a certain voice that they speak, um, and uh, that's the same with people. So if you take that analogy in in your mind and you work also in that way with uh, with brands, yeah. then you can easily um, look at if if a brand works or not, or if uh, an agency who who does work for you if they do the right thing if you understand your own brand and you understand their personality then you yeah. can you can Build. you can uh, you have the criteria uh, to base your um uh your judgments on mm. and, uh, there's 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 one thing really interesting about uh, if you take that analogy between brands and people and um i noticed that in the mirror t- today on my birthday that um, there's one thing that brands don't have if you do it right, and that people have. That's people get older, and you can see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some, of course, you can do something about it, but yeah. but most of the time you see it. And with brands, if you do it right, uh, and you really um, dive into the, the your target audience, and you and you make sure that you stay relevant for them. Mm. by knowing how how these people live and how they think and and mostly what is important in their life and how can you play a role in that if you if you do that as a brand you never grow grow old and you and you okay. always will stay relevant yeah. for them and that's what we see over time of course if we look at the the strong brands and the less strong brands sometimes brands disappearing yeah then that is what was missing that they they didn't look at how relevant can they be for that target audience audience. yeah yeah so beyond aesthetics Mm -hmm. could you elaborate on the power of branding and share some insights on the products that you design for your clients and what sets them apart or what what would you say is the main things that you have to focus on when you're designing i think i think it's of course it's very important uh that that you try to uh, get that emotional connection okay. uh, and you look at uh, if it is packaging for instance then you look at um the the, the shape and you look at the color first the color that's almost 70 percent of of uh importance for for packaging then the shape um and then uh of course the the communication uh, the text what kind of uh, voice uh, do you use um it's it's very important that something is distinct. Yeah. Uh, you have to be different than somebody else, also as a pack, yeah. to make sure that you that you stand out. Um, and it's uh, also uh, very important, of course, that that you're relevant. And so it has to talk to the right target audience. I can make something very beautiful, but. If, if it doesn't speak to the, the audience oh, that yeah. I want to target, then it's a waste of, 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 uh, of my time. And I think especially if you look at um, packaging, what is so interesting is that there is a very big contradiction uh, if you work in, in, in packaging. And that's that on the one hand, you want to stand out. Mm-hmm. And because uh, imagine if you go to a supermarket 
you have sometimes uh, big supermarkets have 40,000 products. Yeah. So imagine that you're there and and you're not aware of it. Of course, you do you just do your shopping. Yeah. But you get 40,000 products yeah. on all sides. Trying to speak to you. Trying to speak to you yeah. and get your attention. Yeah. So, and, and rel- uh, on an average, we, we take, I think, three or four seconds only that we look at something if we are interested. Yeah. And then we, we continue. So yeah. it's, it's all, you have to grab the attention of, of uh, customers very quickly. But also, so it's, it's on the one hand, you have to be very distinct. But on the other hand, you also, in, uh, with, with your product, you have to fit in the category. Uh, I can make, um, I can make, for instance, uh, a dairy pack in black, and everybody will say, "Oh, wow, that is great job!" Yeah. Because that that stands that out stands on shelf, out. Yeah. and everybody will notice that. Mm-hmm. But for the consumer, a black uh, think, milk yeah. pack will be like, mm, "I don't trust that," yeah. because you don't talk the language of the category. Okay. So then they will not touch it. They will look at it, but not touch it. So so you on the one hand, you have to stand out, and on the other so, hand, you have to fit in. So that's always the balance that we that we try to to find. Yeah. How can we create that? How can we come up with something original and relevant for, for the consumer? And uh, how can we still be through to certain category cues yeah. that are that are important to 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 maintain the trust of the consumer. Because if the consumer doesn't trust you, they won't buy your product. Even though you grab their attention. Exactly. So on the one hand, yeah, you have to loud, loud, loud. But yeah, you have to come up with something up. that is that is interesting. And then you have to put something in that makes them comfortable, like, oh yeah, I understand that this fits in the category. Okay. And I find it always amazing uh, so to 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 get that yeah. in in the, in the in the projects we do. So, yeah. what branding or like sort of aesthetic for a product or packaging do you think we should be leaving behind and is being overused? Oh wow! Or maybe clients ask for <laughs> that. You're like, ah, as well, a creative designer, I, I don't think that's. I I since since uh, a year or maybe two years, I have a, a little bit of a, an allergy. <laughs> and that's uh, when people say, yeah, um, give me minimalist design. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but why? Yeah, yeah no, no, it's, it's great to have a very minimal design. And sometimes I, I joke in the office if there are also designers uh, come to us and, and they, they show their portfolio and they say, yeah, yeah, I'm a minimalist designer. And then I say, well, I think minimalist designers uh, are a bit lazy <laughs> <laughs> because there's nothing no. more simpler than minimalist. Yeah. Of course, it's not completely true yeah. because in certain uh, circumstances uh, and for certain brands, it can be very relevant to minimalist. But overall, I think it's overused. Okay. And uh, I see now uh, uh, last, uh, yeah, I think two months ago or something like that, I saw... Um, a private label brand and everything was so simple so minimalist that i thought how can i choose between uh, your uh, i don't know your mayonnaise 
or your um, uh, rice pack or your everything looks the, the same. same. And then and then people could say, yeah, well, that's the private label. Yes, but why can't I have an, anything nice yeah. uh, in a rice pack or in a mayonnaise pack? Uh, because it's private label. I think it's, it's, it's the contrary. Um, I think with private labels, we can make the, we can make the most fantastic things because yeah. you already have the trust of the consumer of the private label brand. Yeah. And then you can put something extra in it that is for uh, customers uh, sort of extra to, to buy this to buy. because it yeah. also looks very pretty. And it's, yeah. of course, it has to be relevant, but also it has to be beautiful because we know that attractiveness will sell a product. And uh, I think sometimes people forget that, that uh, uh, attractiveness is important. It's important, it yes. Is, it is as important as relevance, but those two together make it a success. Right, so just no minimalistic design. <laughs> <laughs> of course, everybody will look now at yeah. our portfolio. And if hey, anybody who requests a minimalistic yeah. design, I, they'll be like, "Yeah, I know, I know." One product is not in the food category that we <laughs> recently did that is very minimalist, but <laughs> <laughs> there it worked. There it was needed. Okay. Yeah. So, can you share like some of the successful F and B brands that have mastered branding in your uh, experience? Yeah, there are many, of course. Um, if I look at uh, our own uh, portfolio or, or my portfolio, um, I, I worked for the, the, the brand uh, Bertoli, the olive oil brand. Okay. Um, and I think uh, what they uh, do still very well is that they're very consistent to communicate on the story of the brand. And um, although this uh, brand um, is uh, by... I think uh, a long, for a long time it was part of uh, the Unilever portfolio, but everybody had the idea that it was this very nice uh, Italian brand. Yeah. Their origin was Italian, yeah. but it was just uh, a brand uh, from uh, from Unilever uh, from a big factory, <laughs> and okay. um, and the, and the quality was really good and consistent. And but I think also how they um, implemented the whole story. Of, uh, of of their brand, uh, they did it very well and they did it everywhere very consistent. And I think that's very important. If you have one, uh, we call it a, a guiding principle uh, for your brand. And if you can be consistent in uh, implementing that, that, that uh, is, uh, is strong. And consistency mean, doesn't mean everywhere the same. I think a lot of people make that mistake that they think, oh yeah, so... Uh, to be consistent, I put everywhere the logo and then everything is consistent. Yeah. But it's consistency on the brand principles and, uh, and, and, and the guiding principle. And it can be that um, the brand looks different in certain places than in others. Like mm. uh, if you want to make that link with us people, uh, I look different today as yeah. that I look at the sailing club yeah. uh, I'm still the same person True. and uh, I have the same values but I just look a little bit different because the circumstances are different yeah. uh, in that um, in that area would you would you say there's certain colors that 
FMB, some FMB sector should not. Because you said, like, for example, dairy product cannot mm. be black. So can you just like some it, of the... It's, yeah, it's, it's not that you can't use black because I also remember that I did a project once for, um, for ice cream. Mm-hmm. And at that time, uh, the ice cream um, uh, shelf um, in the freezer was uh, white and soft, uh, soft colors, mm. uh, pastel t- tones and these kind of the, the colors of ice cream. Yeah. And um, there we uh, made a choice to make the pack black because okay. it stood out very much uh, on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. But also it, with the color, with the, the soft colors of ice cream, and that combination made it really attractive. Mm-hmm. So there we tried it, and it became a, a big success. So it's not yeah. that it is not possible. It's just how how do you do it? How do you make it relevant? And who? How do you take into account um, uh, the the category? True. Yeah, that's but, why uh, we need experts. I think like I think every color <laughs> yeah. can be used. All right. So what emerging trends or technologies do you see impacting the future of F&B branding and marketing? Specifically, if you can just share um, the latest Web3 AR technology in assisting food brands with their supply chain and packaging Mm. challenges. Yeah, I think uh, especially uh, on uh, packaging and and we are also uh, already uh, starting with that is uh, AR. Mm. And... um, of course, uh, we are all used to uh, scan uh, with our f- uh, phones uh, a code, mm-hmm. and then we go to a website or we see something. But I think uh, in the in the future, uh, uh, and it's already possible, you will be able to scan with your phone the shelf, and then immediately something will pop up based on that you have your camera on on a certain pack, okay. and uh, from there uh, immediately a video will start playing or somebody will um, explain to you um, that there is a, I don't know, there is a discount or there's something special about mm. this product or or if you come home and you turn the pack and you put your camera on it and it will explain the recipe for it. I think these things will be implemented very quickly from now. I think okay. uh, in the next year, people will see that more and more and more. Yeah. Okay. Any other packaging trends that I think, that I you think see um, yeah, increasing? of course, it's it's not a new trend, but the, the sustainability. I think, um, especially in this region, people are more and more aware of um, what kind of uh, uh, material uh, is the is the the pack made made of, and uh, how is that in line with our environmental ideas? True. Um, I, th- I think that. That will be in in a few years' time. Also in this region, it will be just a given. You 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 will be surprised if this it's brand not. is not doing the yeah. good thing for the environment. Right. Uh, so I think those things will will uh, continue. Continue. Yeah. Okay. So um, for F and B listeners, what practical practical tips can you offer to help them build a strong brand and engage their audience? And where do you see the F&B branding industry heading in the next five years? Um, yeah, I think um, for for uh, building uh, building a strong brand, uh, you need the emotional connection, the distinction, um, and the consistency. Uh, that is that is really important to to look at that. Um, but 
to start, you have to start with a good strategy. So an uh, example uh, I thought of was uh, what we, uh, we did for the Batil brand, the date brand. And um, especially on the, on, the, on the packaging side, uh, they, they had a certain packaging style for many, many years. And then they wanted to um, sell more also in Europe and be more uh, interesting for the European consumers. Uh, and they realized then uh, you have to come up with a different type of pack than they had. Uh, we looked at the product, we looked at uh, the European consumer and why why do they eat dates? Because it has a different um, relevance for them than uh, for for the, here the consumers here. here. It's yeah. uh, Here it's embedded in the culture and in Europe it's just... A superfood, <laughs> yeah. they called it. So then we played on that also. Uh, okay, so it will be seen as a superfood. It will be seen as more uh, organic uh, or more healthier. So we developed their packaging in, in, a, in a more he- healthier style yeah. and a more organic-like style okay. so that consumers would um, understand the language. Because if you want to be seen in a certain way and you start dressing in that way, then consumers can think, hey, uh, that's interesting for me. I want to try that. And uh, it helped them uh, enormously. They, they, they start be, being uh, very successful now also in, uh, in Europe. Europe. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. You were mentioning about Shifa brand as well. Yeah, the Al-Shifa honey yeah. brand. Yeah, we, we recently did a rebranding, which uh, we were very honored to, to do that. Um, because it's a, 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 I think, 40-year-old brand or maybe even older. Um, and they, they are also uh, available uh, in, uh, in many, many countries uh, all over the world. Um, and they wanted to rebrand. Uh, and um, we started uh, investigating, of course, uh, how is their appearance at the moment, uh, what are the the, the the good things about the brand? Uh, and especially if a brand is quite old mm-hmm. and, and, and people are familiar with it, you, you can't just change it. Yeah. You have to understand what can you change and what is necessary to change. One of the things we, we saw was that uh, especially the shelf impact was not so strong. If you if you would look at it from a little bit of distance, their their branding would almost fade. You would not see it. So we looked at how can we create uh, more shelf impact with their brand, uh, change their uh, typography in a way that the consumer would feel that uh, they're modernized. They they entered uh, a new a new area. Yeah. And um, that um, but that it would still be their Al Shifa that they know. And uh, that it would not be like, oh, this is uh, alien, certainly. Yeah. Um, so we we uh, we created their first, of course, their brand strategy. Uh, then uh, we worked on the identity, and then we worked on the um, packaging designs, and we created a packaging design system, uh, so that um, although they have so many different types of honey, that all the packs feel like a family, yes. and that you recognize the brand and then you recognize what type of honey uh, this pack is for. And I think that's also, of course, especially in packaging, it's very important that you have a, a very clear design system. Yeah. And it's some something that consumers w- won't 
um, feedback to you of uh, oh, this brand. What do you think? Yeah, it has a great yeah. packaging design system. No, it's not what they get. But they will feel it when it's wrong because then they they can't... Um, they they don't understand the segmentation. Uh, they can't find their way in your portfolio. So if you do it right, it's good, and they won't tell you. <laughs> if you do it wrong, immediately you will know it. Yeah. And for Al Shifa, uh, they did it really, really good, and uh, it's now on the market. Yeah. So let's hope uh, for another forty years. Let's <laughs> hope <laughs> so for no feedback. Then it's positive. Or, or no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't do that because it's not good for business. If if if, if my brand stay that long yeah. in the, in the market, yeah. You need rebrandings. Yeah. All right. We are coming to the end of the podcast. It's really a great episode having you here. Um, so in your experience, what is the trickiest F&B product to market for your clients and why? The trickiest. Yeah. It's I always, challenging. Yeah. I, I always say in the office, like uh, when we get a briefing for a project, then uh, I say, okay, is there a possibility that we create an identity for this brand that is bad because every <laughs> every client asked me, of course, to have a very positive yeah. uh, brand personality. Yeah. And uh, so I, I still dream of uh, creating a real bad brand, <laughs> like <laughs> a brand that is uh, not so social, uh, not it's so not positive. so friendly, it's uh, rude. It's like, that would be fantastic to, to create. A, I don't know for what, for what sector we can do that, but uh, that that will be uh, very nice. And I think uh, I had a, an example of a, a, a trickiest uh, challenge we once had to do, uh, and it was actually here in uh, in the UAE. When I was working here, I think only a year or something like that, we got a project um, for, um, let's say, a famous. UAE water brand. I, I won't mention the name, <laughs> but um, and um, and uh, the marketing director came to me and he said, uh, "Oh yeah, Dennis, um, I have a new uh, project for you, and um, uh, we, we need to start uh, right away. And uh, and it's um, we want to uh, create a crisp range, crisp, crisps, oh, okay. and and it was a water brand." That's a, and I was like, that's a challenge. this is not possible. How can you go? How, water, it's uh, healthy, yeah. it's nat natural. It's like, and then you go into crisp. That's that's the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not possible. And then uh, he looked at me and he said, Dennis, my boss told me it's not a question. Get it done. Get it done. <laughs> so he said, I'm telling you, it's not a question. Get it done. So we, we dived into this and uh, I found some interesting things. Uh, also culturally, uh, uh, that it made it possible to do it because the brand was not so linked to one specific product category. Okay. Uh, if we, for instance, if we recognize, if we see Coca-Cola, we can't imagine Coca-Cola something else yeah. uh, doing something else than drinks. Yeah. But um, with this particular brand, because the DNA of the brand was not so linked uh, at the at the category, but it was more linked on a base of trust for this brand okay. as being a UAE brand for a long time, and so you can you could trust it. So we saw that there were 
some openings to 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 to, yeah. to do it. And then we looked at okay, but if you do it, you should distinct yourselves from other crisp brands that are not healthy. So you have to come up with a crisp brand that is healthier than others. And then you have to also start communicating that in a way, um, because the 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 whole uh, procedure to create this healthy crisp was more expensive. So the price of the crisp would also be more expensive. So it should also look a little bit more expensive then. Yeah. So, and then uh, after the strategy, we came to the conclusion of, okay, this is the brief for uh, creation. And we came up with this uh, crisp packaging range. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, it, it, was, uh, it was brought into the market. And then we found out that actually we were too early because if you now go uh, in the supermarkets, you will see all kinds of healthy crisps. Yeah. And for quite a high price. But people buy it because it's healthier, healthier. and they still like crisps. Yeah. So if they can afford they will buy it. But at that time, Too there was almost no one who yeah. did it. So, uh, and it was not communicated, uh, let's say, so so well yeah. that uh, it didn't become a success. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. um, yeah, sometimes you you have that uh, um, situation challenge. that uh, yeah, the challenge also that if you come up with a good idea um, and it's not at the right time, then it can still fail. Although it at, it it was a good it was a good idea, yeah. but it was not at the right, right time, time at the right place. And I think. With a lot of innovation, that's that is as important as having the great idea. It has to be relevant for everyone, and otherwise, it doesn't we'll work. Fail. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Lestu Podcast. It's really a pleasure to have you on the show, Dennis. Yeah, thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I feel so privileged to have you on your birthday. So thank Thanks. you so much. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the last episode of season one of the Let's Chew podcast. Please don't forget to share your thoughts and leave us a review. Stay tuned for more exciting stories from the world of FMB in the new season. Expect food futurists and iconic culinary and FMB powerhouses. So until then, bye for now. <laughs>